Howdy, welcome back to another episode of our weekly podcast. We know you've got a buffet of media to choose from each week. That's why we put a lot of effort into finding stories from the Bible that have relevant lessons for us today. I hope you enjoy. Today's scripture reading is from Acts 2.17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. This morning, we're going to talk about something. After last week, I joked with a few of you that may have been the last sermon I'll preach because uh, there were some things that sounded a little sketchy. So I figured, well, let's continue this a little bit and talk about dreams. So that's what we're gonna look at this morning. Uh, Before we do, let me begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, the beautiful snow. Thank you for that reminder in scripture that what you can do in our lives is erase all all the mud, all the dirt, all the grime, and make us white as snow. We're so grateful for that. This morning, we pray that you'll speak to us in a very special way as we talk about dreams a medium of communication that you have used throughout history. Help us to understand what this means in our own lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have a dream, maybe it's multiple ones, that you remember, but it happened decades ago? Okay. It was so impressive, so memorable that for some reason you remember it now. Uh, Scripture is full of accounts of people having dreams. And dreams, they're they're kind of this enigma. Where do they come from? Why did I have that dream? What's going on? So we're gonna talk about that a little bit this morning. But I wanna start, it's about 1 a.m. on the Friday and Jesus will be crucified within hours. He has been rushed to be in front of Pilate. And Pilate begins to interact with this man. Pilate has has been woken up from his sleep, sleeping next to his wife. She continues to sleep. He goes out. What kind of nasty criminal have you woken me up for in the middle of the night? We're told he was expecting to see, and Matthew 27 gives this account. He's expecting to see just the nastiest of criminals. And he looks at Jesus and he thinks, this is strange. This man looks innocent. This is one of the most noble men I've ever set eyes on. And he he starts to ask Jesus a little bit of questioning and he's, he's a little perplexed and then he's more and more perplexed to the point where He does not want to be a part of this. There's some little inklings of justice in him and he realizes this is a sham trial and he sends him to Herod. But in that little bit of interaction between he and Jesus, Jesus is probing for, do you really wanna know? And then that's where the conversation even continues because this night between All the stops of Jesus, they keep hurrying him along seven different times, back and forth, back and forth. But Jesus is there in front of Pilate. And Jesus sees someone who has not crossed the line 
of opportunity to be saved. And we're told Jesus says a prayer for Pilate. If you've ever been in a crisis or a moment, you should know, or hopefully you do know, Jesus listens to your prayers. They don't have to be on your knees. They don't have to be standing. They don't, anytime, anywhere, Jesus will listen to your prayers. So Jesus prays for Pilate. And I imagine it was something, some of my prayers are like this, Father, do anything to save Pilate, whatever it takes. There's still a glimmer of hope. And so Jesus is rushed off. And as we could imagine, Pilate likely goes back to bed. This whole time, what we know, some, some believe her name was Claudia Procula, his wife, has been sleeping. And as an answer to Jesus' prayer, an angel is sent to give her a dream. Now, what's interesting about dreams, we're going to talk more into the science of it. Dreams happen in the fifth stage of sleep. So you can't instantly lay down for the first time at night and instantly start dreaming. There's five stages of sleep. So what we know about what's happening here is Claudia is sleeping and she enters what we call the REM stage of sleep and Jesus' prayer is answered and she begins to have a dream. We're gonna talk about that more in a minute, what she's dreaming. But dreams in the ancient world were very important. The idea of omens or prophecies, they believed these were very important. You imagine in a world with no televisions, no radios, the most entertaining thing, and for some of us, we'd probably still say, the most entertaining thing is my dreams. Well, this was the case in the old world. They believed that the future could be revealed. And we have lots of examples in the Bible. We have the stories in the book of Daniel and with King Nebuchadnezzar and with Joseph and with Jacob and Abraham, all these different dreams. And then we get into the New Testament and the dream of the Magi warning them, don't go back to Herod. Now, what's interesting about that is it probably was multiple persons of the Magi who had the same dream. So you had that dream, I had that same dream, we are not going back. If one person has it, it's like, well, you ate some spicy Thai last night or something, you know. But they knew clearly we're not going back to Herod. Then there's another dream. Joseph of Nazareth, he is warned with Jesus and Mary, go to Egypt, get out of the country. Then you have the dream to Joseph, leave Egypt and go home. So we have this promise, we read it in our our scripture reading of this promise, it says, it shall come to pass in the last days, especially. The book of Joel quotes this. And then here in the book of Acts, it's quoted. And then for anyone who believes, maybe we're living in the latter times of verse history in the last days. There are these words in the last days says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And depending on how it's quoted and how it's cited, sometimes those are all intermixed. It's Jacob and Noah having the dreams. It's somebody who may not be as young or old having the visions. So all these different ingredients show us this is a means by which God communicates to us. 
So there's two types of things. There's the dreams and then there's the visions. And the best definition of that, dreams happen while we sleep. Visions happen while someone is awake. We read in Daniel and you read some accounts from the life of Ellen White. Breathing often stops. And this is a supernatural event taking place in the daytime. Last week, we, we talked about this dream that Ellen White had about talking to what seems to be her dead husband. Scripture's clear on the idea of talking to the dead. And Ellen White writes a lot of things about the clarity of this. And so a lot, I had a lot of persons concerned that what, what kind of ground are we treading on talking about this idea? What has brought me some peace as I've studied that a little bit more is she believes he has been resurrected. So it's not in the state of the moment I'm talking to a dead person. She believes, wow, the Lord has brought you back to life for me. But it is so real. Dreams can be so real. And in these dreams, we often don't have control of the situation. You're in this dream and things are happening and it is wild. We have dreams that are violent. And maybe when we wake up and remember this dream, we're like, that is not violence I would ever be a part of. We have dreams of activities between the birds and the bees that are very mature. And we think that is not activity that I would do in the daytime. So dreams are full of these things that we, we can't quite understand. And researchers describe the importance of having dreams to health and well-being. In one study, researchers woke people just as they were going into REM sleep, this fifth stage of sleep. They found that those who weren't allowed to dream, meaning they woke them up right before they entered this, these people experienced more tension, more anxiety, more depression, had a hard time concentrating, a lack of coordination, weight gain, and a tendency to hallucinate. And then many experts say dreams exist to help solve problems in life, incorporate memories, process emotions. If you've ever had the dreams, there's some very common themes a lot of us dream about. We're being chased. Anybody ever have a dream you're being chased? Okay. You're falling off a cliff or falling from somewhere. Uh-huh. Or you're in somewhere public and you're naked. Anyone? Yeah. It's wild. Or I have a dream where I keep flashing back to the last weeks of college. And for some reason, I have missed a lot of class and a lot of class work. And I got to take a test and everything rides on this test. I'm like, this is insane. Why did I skip all these classes? Or another one when I'm, I think these are usually in a stressful time of life. Um, I grew up, it was nice at that time where there was a golf course near our house. And rather than a babysitter, my mom knew how amazing this golf program was. And, and friends and I would go here and they would let us play golf all day long. So you literally drop us off and play golf for free all day long. So I grew up playing a lot of golf. But now I have this dream when I'm stressed that I'm trying to tee off when I'm playing golf. And there keeps, somehow there's objects in my way. I'm, I'm this close to a wall and I'm like, I cannot get a swing on this golf ball with a wall here. Or I'm, I'm next, I'm, I'm under some overhang and I'm like, really, I can't get a swing on this ball here. And it happens and happens. And for like three hours, I'm trying to tee off and no, nothing, no golf that day. 
But they say these things, when they're repeated and you keep finding yourself in this situation and it doesn't make sense, there's something in your life that's causing stress or anxiety. And, but they're unique to each of us. So let's talk about the different stages of sleep. We talked about the fifth stage a little bit with REM sleep. We can go into REM sleep four to six times per night for up to two hours of dreaming per night, which is quite a bit of time in a, arguably a fantasy world. First stage of sleep, right when we go to sleep, is light sleep. This is like five to 15 minutes. You can easily be woken up here. Second stage, a deeper sleep, five to 15 minutes. Then stages three and four are very similar, five to 15 minutes, and then into REM sleep. The first stage of REM sleep, they say, is typically like 10 minutes. Short little dream. It's like the teaser for your dream. And then it starts over. So the problem is, if you ever get woken up in the midst of this cycle, you can be like, oh, I'm more tired than when I started taking this nap. So these are the stages. In the Bible, we have a story in the book of Daniel where this king, who this king is a bad, bad person. The things they did in Babylon, sacrificing children and all these weird, terrible things, he's a bad guy. And God in his mercy sends him a dream. And you probably read that story in Daniel chapter two. But it's not just any dream. This dream seems to be a nightmare. It's terrifying to him. And he does not know what this dream means. You ever had a dream where you just had it? It was so crystal clear. You feel there's meaning here, but you have no idea what it's about. For some reason, he gets into it and he says, I don't just want you to tell me the interpretation of my dream. I need somebody to tell me my dream. And then you tell me the interpretation. And we learn this is really the way in which God brings Daniel up into the prime minister spot of Babylon. So this happened with Joseph. He comes from a prison into the most powerful number two position in the world. And a lot of times there's a pattern. God brings his people into the number two position. I read a fascinating book years ago called Rulers of Evil that for some reason, God gives his men the highest position at number two so that they can influence number one. So maybe there's some rules in the great controversy. You can't ever be the top man as some prophet or, or something like that. So you have these men come from nothing into the power of the kingdom through the interpretation of dreams. A study published in the journal Frontiers in Psychology describes something interesting. It says, how many people remember dreams? So how many of you would say consistently, you wake up and you're like, wow, that was a, that was a strange dream. Any, anybody? Couple, okay. So they, they sort these groups into what they call high recallers and low recallers. And they said, it just depends on, there's no real science to it. High recallers though, recall their dreams a lot but they're awake 30 or more minutes through the night on average. Isn't that interesting? So they're awake more, but they can remember their dreams more. Low recallers, 14 minutes a night, maybe they're wrestling or, you know, awake, but they don't remember their dreams. With Daniel, there's an interesting story here, how he prays and he believes God's doing something and he asks God, show me the dream. I don't just need to know how to help this guy and interpret it. I need you to show me the dream and help me understand the meaning of it. Scripture tells us something in Ecclesiastes chapter five and verse three. It says, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. So there's different scientific causes for dreams. 
You're busy, you're busy, you're busy. And so at night, your mind is just racing and trying to sort things out. Why did this happen? What am I gonna do about this? Sometimes it literally is food. Something about certain types of food, when they're eaten, how they're eaten, cause these just wild dreams. So dreams happen to us, but how do we make sense of them? So back to Claudia Percula, Pilate's wife. Jesus has prayed something, do something. I have a friend that believes when we, when we dream of specific people, it's God's way of saying, pray for them. And it's interesting, he'll pray for me at the most perfect times. Hey, I had a dream about you. Just want you to know I'm praying for you. Because it's random. Dreams can seem so random. But in this moment, Jesus has been praying. He's been rushed off to Herod's, but he did not leave without saying, Lord, do something to get Pilate's attention. It's not too late. And so we read about this account in the book, The Desire of Ages. Even now, Pilate was not, now Jesus is back. Back to Pilate. Even now, Pilate was not left to act blindly. So he's been perplexed. He doesn't understand because he and his wife had had discussions, had been clear. This Jesus, he works miracles. They said he raised a guy from the dead. He does good things. So deep down, Pilate knows there's something good about this man, Jesus. And his wife, she really admired Jesus. Even now, Pilate was not left to act blindly. A message from God warned him from the deed he was about to commit. In answer to Christ's prayer, the wife of Pilate had been visited by an angel from heaven and in a dream, she had beheld the savior and talked with him. Just think about that for a second. Jesus has been praying and the angel delivers whatever dreams are But in this dream that Pilate's wife is having, she is talking to Jesus. Pilate's wife was not a Jew, but as she looked upon Jesus in her dream, she had no doubt of his character or mission. She knew him to be the Prince of God. She saw him on trial in the judgment hall. So she's been sleeping this whole time. But she's being revealed things almost in real time, which is absolutely phenomenal. She saw the hands tightly bound as the hands of a criminal. She saw Herod and his soldiers doing their dreadful work. She heard the priests and the rulers filled with envy and malice, madly accusing. She heard the words, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die. She saw Pilate, her husband, in her dream. She saw Pilate give Jesus to the scourging after he had declared, I find no fault in him. She heard the condemnation pronounced by Pilate and saw him give Christ up to his murderers. At this moment, we're going to see in a second, she's now seeing something that hasn't happened yet. She'd been seeing things that had been happening through the night. It's the middle of the night, 1 or 2 a.m., 3 a.m. by this point. 
She saw the cross uplifted on Calvary. She saw the earth wrapped in darkness and heard the mysterious cry, it is finished. Still another scene met her gaze. Imagine you're having this dream. She saw Christ seated upon the great white cloud while the earth reeled in space and his murderers fled from the presence of his glory. What scene is she seeing there? The second coming. With the cry of horror, she awoke and at once wrote to Pilate words of warning. Imagine she has this terrifying nightmare. She gets paper or papyrus, <laughs> writes on it, and quickly sends it to her husband, whom she'd seen in the dream. While Pilate was hesitating as to what he should do, a messenger pressed through the crowd and handed him the letter from his wife, which read, and Matthew 27 tells us, verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with this righteous man. For I have suffered greatly in a dream, other versions say a terrible nightmare, because of him. Then says Pilate's face grew pale and he was confused by his conflicting emotions. For some reason, in the answer to Jesus' prayer, this was the best thing that could happen to save Pilate. You love your wife. There's no one more influential to you that you might listen to than someone you love. So I'm gonna send a message to her. It's gonna be very clear. And then she's going to tell you. And so he's conflicted. And these emotions, these warring spirits and angels, someone gets the best of him and he condemns Jesus. You know, how, how do we know though when dreams, are they from God or are they from the enemy? I remember last week after, after we discussed this idea, I wrote to someone and they said, well, absolutely not. No dreams can come from the enemy. Lucifer doesn't, he does, that's not his science. I said, Really? So we know from scripture with the story of Judas and others, he can implant thoughts that we literally believe are our own thoughts. You know what we're gonna do with this church? You know what I'm gonna do in this marriage? You know what I'm gonna buy today? And we can be so easily deceived that we think it's our thought rather than one implanted by the enemy. So I, I think there's a lot of evidence Lucifer can implant ideas and thoughts into you that if cherished can turn into emotions continue to be cherished, can turn into other things. A lot of times in our dreams, there are things we experience that we have to wake up and we have to ask, if that was a tempting dream, what do I do with the temptation? Cherish it or say, Lord, that's not who I am. I don't, I don't want that in my life. And so we have to do something with the dream, just the same way we would with a thought that's in our mind that we don't want anything to do. Lord, take this thought. I don't want it to progress and take root. It's very interesting. There are a lot of reports through history for thousands of years of encounters at night 
And the most common experience is a weight on your chest that is almost overbearing. Anybody ever experienced that? I have, multiple times. It is, it is out of control. The best way some describe this is incubus and succubus. Coming to you with intense, sensual, passionate encounters. Sometimes it's, it's other spirits. You're being chased, you're being hunted, you're being attacked. Total fear-based dreams to scare you. The feeling of being paralyzed, hard to breathe. Or most common, a pressure on your chest and the feeling of helplessness, paralyzation, and I'm under attack. I can't even mutter a word. It's like in my mind. What's the solution there? Here's, here's an account of one person. Last week, it happened again. I was lying in bed and again was awoken. I felt a very strong force holding me down. I could not sit up. I tried to scream for my daughter and could not get any noise to come out. I tried to hit the wall with my arm and this force would not let me. Some of the earliest mentions of these particular demons of incubus and succubus come from ancient Mesopotamia, the land of Babylon, 2,400 years ago. So if you're ever in this situation and you're under attack, there's really only one solution. Crying out, even if it is just in your mind, for Jesus. That's the only way you're gonna get out of that. But you have to realize also, if those things are happening, there may be something in your life that you have opened a door to this happening. A lot of people don't believe in this, but the enemy only, he only needs a foothold into your life. Corey, who will notice if you slip a few hundred grand away from the hospital? There's millions more. Who will notice if I sign on my time card, I was here, but I wasn't? Who will notice if I take this simple thing, bubble gum from the store? They got plenty of bubble gum. Whatever that little thing, if I make this little bit alive, if I bring this thing into my house that I know it's got some dabbling and some things I probably shouldn't, but I'm just going to bring it in. Maybe we'll watch it. Maybe we'll listen to it, whatever it may be. But we shouldn't wonder if you start to have dreams like this and, and attacks and oppression like this. Ask the hard questions. Where is this coming from? Is there anything in my life that has opened the window for the enemy to put fear into me? And then Pray the Lord will give you the power to take that thing or things or actions and put it out of your life. Because if you've ever been attacked like this, I remember a long time ago, it was, it was, uh, it was something that changed my prayer life. Lord, I need your protection of my mind while I sleep. I'm being terrorized. I wake up sweating, filled with fear and terror and that literally, as we just looked with some of the science, it will ruin your life. You'll be stressed, full of anxiety. Your health will decline. There's something about asking the Lord before you go to sleep. If we are in a war and somehow these two forces can implant ideas, implant in my mind, Lord, good dreams, sweet dreams. I need peace while I sleep. I got enough problems in the day while I'm awake. Because we're promised... Having dreams will pick up just before the return of the Lord. And this is something we don't talk about. 
This is probably one of the most intimate things in our lives. We may not even ever talk about it to our spouse. It's just like, man, my dreams are wild. I don't even know, even know who to talk to about this. People think I'm a pervert or they'll think I'm a mass murderer or <laughs> I do some of the craziest things in my dreams. Lord, and I, I just think it's one of those things, bring those thoughts into captivity and say, Lord, make sense of this. What's going on? Maybe I'm harboring guilt. Maybe I'm harboring anger. Maybe I've got more stress than I know what to deal with. Maybe there's something in my life letting this terrorizing right in. I need peace. And so when we get these dreams, because we will get them, it's very easy to be deceived in our dreams. And I think our task is, if I have a dream and I believe it has significance, pray about that dream. We have evidence in scripture, God can repeat dreams. Sometimes he does that for effect. Lord, if I believe you're leading me to take this job in Alaska and I had a dream and I think that's what it means, it's not too much for the Lord to say, give the same dream to my wife, my husband, my kids, my uncle, my brother, my sister, my mom. Speak to somebody else. Give me confirmation. God can speak to us in so many ways. You can be reading the story of the flood and be totally confirmed of the job you need to take. Because the Lord uses scripture in a supernatural way. He can use dreams. We're told he can use circumstances. He can use nature. You can be in your garden. So God has all these means by which to talk to us. This one in particular we're talking about today is something that I think is very sacred because when we're sleeping, there are no distractions. I know many of you have very high intense jobs. And in the daytime, it's likely hard for the Lord to get into your subconscious or your conscience. He's just got emails and texts and calls and kids and life and bills. And when you're sleeping, we see time after time after time, God can say, okay, Rick, now I can get your attention. This is what I need you to hear. And there is no other distraction. So I think that is why he uses this medium. It is an undistracted medium where he has our full attention. But when you have these dreams and you're trying to figure out, scripture gives us something very beautiful to determine where the source is. Whatever happens in the dream, outside of the dream, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 says, test all things and hold to that which is true. So, so if you believe this book is inspired, whatever the dream is telling you to do, in the awake time, Lord, What's the principle here? What are you leading me to do? I need to know this is from you. And I believe if we have that spirit and we have that attitude, God is going to begin to pick up the pace of what he said to Joel and what he said here in the book of Acts. I'm gonna give dreams for a purpose. And if we test them, we will know what God is doing. Amen. If you'll stand and sing with Jacob and I, our closing hymn, Oh, How I Love Jesus, 248, 248, first and last verse, 248. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its words.
sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. How I love Jesus because he first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. How because he first loved me. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will speak to us. You know that there are so many issues in our lives that we need your leading on. We want to be sure that we're moving in the right direction, making the right decisions, and we trust that peace of mind is the answer to that prayer. So Lord, whatever it takes to speak to us, we pray that you will do that that we will listen and test all things and hold that which is true. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. We record these messages each week at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Adairsville. And if you're ever in the area, we'd love to see you. Stop in and say hi and enjoy some good Southern food with us. See you next week.